You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. They beat them in Regina? You think in Montreal where the Riders have struggled for so many years? (laughs) Oh, no, no. I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just pissed off that you said it. (laughs) Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Brazilian Ty, you're in your truck again, is that right? Yes, but it's running this time. Oh, so the air conditioning. Well done, right? (laughs) Well, I put the fan on low just to get some air circulation. What is it Uh, today? It's 30 degrees right now. (laughs) Earlier, it it was 39 with the humidity. Uh, And you're working outside in that, aren't you? Not today, no, but uh, we did all week, yeah. Oh, man, that is absolutely rough. Now, I know the biggest piece of news that we might get to to the entire CFL season, we will have to talk about it today. We got some games to talk to, and I know if we talk about Deron Carter before the games, we might never get to the games. So <laughs> let's do that right now. Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em, and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. BC gets by Edmonton Thursday night football, 31-23. I got to say, I know there were a lot of people complaining, uh, it's too late for football, too late for this, too late for that. Man, I like me some late night football, so I was happy to see that. Now, early in the game, it looked like BC was going to shoot themselves in the foot. It really took a turn in the second half when Edmonton, started to shoot themselves, started to Plaxico Burris themselves in the foot there. And, oh man, BC in the first half, uh, they took advantage. They would turn the ball back, but they ended up ter- winning that turnover battle 4-2. to two, And we really, I think, saw the impact of Sean Lemon and Odell Willis in this game. That defensive front for BC got to Mike Riley. They got to him early and they got to him often. Um, they didn't get a whole ton of sacks, but the pressures and, and the hurries that they made or the hurried throws that they made Mike Riley throw uh, really contributed to, to them winning the football game. It made the difference. And it, Riley, he still threw for 300 yards, but he was 26 of 41. He had the two touchdowns, but also the two turnovers there. If you took him in fantasy... I mean, you got your points, but you could have saved almost $6,000 by taking Trevor Harris and getting similar results there. So it it does handcuff your team if you do take a guy like Mike Riley. But the story again, and Eskimo fans are going to be talking about this until it stops. The penalties, 14 of them for 132 yards and early in the game it looked like BC was in penalty trouble they also had seven for 72 and some of these are just 
extending drives. The the holding penalties are absolutely killer. Those ten yards just absolutely crush you there. But it, it seems like it's it's becoming kind of a broken record with the Eskimos. When the games are done, Jason Moss says in practice, back to the drawing board. We got to fix these penalties we got to fix these penalties and it, it just does not seem to be changing no i it, it i don't know if you know they're just tired of hearing his voice <laughs> yeah. uh, or not necessarily his voice but like you know they just need a fresh take on it like a coach can only dr- drive home that point so much uh to players so i mean that makes it a little tough not only are they like you know, setting themselves back ten yards with these holds, they're taking points off the boards. Yeah. They took points off the board with penalties in this game. They have, and, yeah. and you know, and they lost by eight. I mean, that that's one score. So I mean, it, looking back at it, it it really did hurt them in this one. What do you think for going for it on third and fifteen with uh, right around two minutes left, um, and not putting the trust in the defense there? He did it in the West final. Well, he went for the and field goal in the West Final. <laughs> yeah, but but he put he put the trust he put the trust in the defense in the West Final and it backfired on him. So I don't know if that's just an knee jerk reaction to it now. Um, but I mean, with this offense, you would think that they should be able to to convert and and put points on the board, and it just didn't happen there. But at, with Mike Riley, I don't know seven eight times out of ten, I probably make that decision. And you know, Riley, he uh, there was some. He was throwing behind receivers. He was overthrowing receivers. And I think even when he wasn't being pressured, he was feeling the pressure. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the, the Lions defense was all over him. And I am just impressed by multiple players on that defense. It seems like they're kind of a slow starting defense. We've seen the past few weeks, they, they really just turn it on in the second half. But even with Solom, without Solomon Elamimian there, they're, they're playing some really good ball right now. And TJ Lee had himself a great game shutting down Duke Williams for the second straight week. And and that's something to be looked at for sure. Well, he had 11 um, targets. And he only four catches. Yeah. Uh, if he, 46 yards, 8.6 points. This guy is arguably the best receiver in the league right now. Um, the last two weeks he's been shut down, and it. I don't want to. I don't want to think that something is is up with him. I don't want to think it's an injury. I just think that teams have found out a way to defend him, and he's going to have to adjust to that. Yeah, exactly. Because let's face it, he's still really young in his career. Um, he, mm-hmm. he doesn't have that most experience in the game. And you know what? When Williams is struggling, Darrell Walker has been able to step up. He only had the five catches, but 117 yards and a touchdown. So two straight weeks of good games for Walker after some people were thinking, hey, uh, what's going on? with Walker here. He burst onto the scene. His rookie year uh, was unbelievable. Came back from the NFL and kind of seemed like he picked up where he left off, but now he seems back to form and back up to speed for the season. Uh, Travis Lule is just... He's not flashy, but he gets it done. 16 of 29 for 239 yards. Uh, He's not as mobile as he used to be, and I, I know this is... 
I don't know if it sounds crazy, but he's sort of a Matt Nichols type now where he, as long as he can protect the ball, I know he had the interception there. He is just an amazing leader. He has that it factor. I don't know what it is. The entire team just believes they can win when he's back there because even if he's not making the most incredible plays, uh, he's not hurting the team, and, and that's big. He's not a liability behind center there. And I, it was a live mic game. What I find really cool is his interactions with Wally Buono, and I think those two really respect each other because if Lule doesn't agree with something, he tells Buono, and Buono will tell him right back. It just seems like uh, they get over it right away, but they get pretty heated in each other's face. And that comes with you know building a relationship with between coach and player. Yeah, um, it, it, it's huge. People, are, people who you know, like fans will look at that and be like, "Oh, there's dissension in the ranks," but you know, people are also going to look at it at in the in the heat of a game. It can look like they're having an argument. And oh, yeah. Granted, I mean it was it was it, it got heated, but it just escalates uh, faster when when you're in a competitive environment. And but it ends right away, and, and it's done, and it's over. And they have such a good relationship with each other that they know that they can they can go back and forth and you know argue and disagree about stuff. But you know, come the next series, that, that's over. It's behind them, and just go out there and make the plays they need to make. If you took Trayvon Van, you were happy. He was less than $5,000. He had the rush TD, uh, the the 71 return yards, three catches as well, 19 points. Kevin Elliott had the touchdown as well. Um, Ricky Collins, I know I uh, suggested him last week. He had uh, some targets, four catches, 31 yards, and the broken up touchdown. It's completely different if he scores that damn touchdown. But he got shut down. And for the most part, the Eskimos shut down the Lions passing game. Burnham had one catch for 20. Manny had the one catch for 39. So uh, they weren't really able to get the passing yards going to their main receivers, but the secondary guys were able to make things happen. It's good to see Kevin Elliott uh, still sticking with it. He was one of the big three in Toronto, and him and Hazleton are the only ones that remain, and uh, one's in Edmonton, one's in BC, and Elliott had a big, big week here. Uh, when they started picking on Jordan Hoover a little bit when he came in uh, as an injury replacement at corner. And that just shows how far depth can take you in in this game, right? Um, You know, Burnham and Arsenal are going to get picked on, so to speak, by the DBs. You know, they're going to be pinpointed in game film. They're going to be the ones that you need to shut down. These other guys need to make plays, need to score points because Arsenal and Burnham are going to have the two best corners on them. These guys, you know, have to take advantage of the situation, much like in hockey where if I know it, I know you're not going to want to hear it, but the Maple Leafs with <laughs> Tavares, Austin Matthews, and, Nazim, and Nazem Kadri, you can't, you, to line match against that now is ridiculous. So one one or two of those lines are going to get way, way weaker matchups, and they can exploit those while the top line might get shut down. Same thing happens here with Arsenal and Burnham kind of being non-factors, so to say, or so to speak, but in them being non-factors, they're still a pretty huge factor because they're pulling away the the premier CBs uh, on that defense and allowing Elliott 
and other guys to get open and make plays. 31-23 the final, and after this game, I'm just left thinking, how crazy is this Western division? Edmonton's in second at 5-3, and three, and the Riders are last at 3-4. and four. This is a <laughs> wild, wild West, man. Cue the Will Smith. After after what happened last night, I think one team might drop out, so it could just come down to a four-team race. Um, but the, it, everybody is so close to each other; it seems that anybody can beat it. Like I did not see this happening, BC beating Edmonton whatsoever. I didn't think there was a chance. Um, but I mean, there's Calgary and there's everybody else, uh, and it just seems from week to week anybody in that division can win a football game. Well, you know what? Every game this week decided in the fourth and decided by eight points or less. And Labor Day is only coming up in a few weeks. This season is really getting cranked up. We go to uh, Winnipeg. Man, this was hot. <laughs> Those fans that sit in that stuff, I really, really respect them. But the Bombers beat the Ticats 29-23. And they just got off to a real good start here. Um, they were really dominating the tie cats, and I, I, I must admit, at the beginning of the year, I really wasn't big on Winnipeg's defensive line. I, I, I wasn't sure how they were going to be. Craig Rowe, Tristan Okapalugo, Jackson Jeffcoat, but those guys were giving uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli some real fits, and the Tiger Cats ended up trading some veteran offensive linemen. In the last little while, Tony Washington is gone. Um, Ryan Bombin is gone, and I kind of wonder if they're they're going to be needing those guys to a point. <laughs> well, look what Winnipeg <laughs> you, you was would... doing to him, man. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, so you would... young. They're, yeah, and you know they, they're going to have to get reps to get the experience and everything, but. It's really tough to be trading away guys like that and still be a successful football team for sure. They are veterans, and I I, I know you're not mm-hmm. big on Tony Washington, and that's why you said that. But uh, <laughs> they're veterans, and they, they they have seen everything. But this I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this Winnipeg uh, defense is they're one of my favorite defenses to watch because they are fast. They get to the ball and. I actually really like uh, what happened here with Adam Big Hill. He came in, I think there was still some time left in camp, and has looked absolutely incredible. He had seven tackles, he had the sack, he had the forced fumble. He has made a massive difference on this defense, and it, it has become maybe the biggest move in the offseason, bringing Big Hill to Winnipeg. He has been a complete difference maker on that defense, and they are just so, so fun to watch. He he was everywhere Oh yeah, on Friday night. Uh, it seemed like every defensive snap... He was somewhere around, and granted, as a middle linebacker, he should be around most of the play in the middle of the field, but he he was everywhere, it seemed. His name got mentioned, at, if not every play, almost every other play. So um, that's that was a huge ad for Winnipeg. I, I wasn't sure uh, what was going to happen, but, I mean, the guy has played in the CFL for so long. I mean, one year removed, 
two years removed isn't going to make that big of a deal. He knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, just a consummate vet who comes in, does his job, and you know makes plays, which is exactly what they needed at that you know linebacker position after they got rid of Sam Hurl. So I mean, because you know that's a big loss. <laughs> well, and I, I think it's big that he came with a little bit of time left mm-hmm. in cap because how many of the NFL oh, for cuts sure. do we see come after Labor Day? And they are real hyped up, but they just went through an NFL camp. A lot of them put on some weight for that as well. And then they come back here and it takes them a while to get back uh, to the Canadian way of things. I think we saw it with Dressler and we saw it with Fantuz when they took their little stints in the National Football League. But Big Hill coming back getting time in camp has been real big so I I think the timing of that signing was big as well Um, the Tiger Cats uh, if you're a fantasy player uh, I know Alex Green's gonna get real expensive real fast because two games and four touchdowns (laughs) yeah I I had toyed with the notion of putting in my lineup because I'm like wow you know Van and Green they're pretty cheap uh, do I really want to start green against Winnipeg? Well, no. Um, turns out I was wrong. <laughs> which, you know, is no is not really news to anybody in particular. Uh, but yeah, his price is going to go up. If not, like, I'm not saying it's going to skyrocket, but, you know, it's it might slowly creep up. And then one week he's going to be $9,000 or $8,000 or something stupid like that. And you're going to have a hard time fitting in two of those top tier running backs into your lineup. Mazzoli is about $4,000 less than Mike Riley, and he had .2 less points than him. He threw for 251 Mm -hmm. yards, had the touchdown, also added 80 yards on the ground as well. He is unbelievable with his legs, and I think we all know that. It was uh, just until the last 10 games or so for the Tiger Cats that nobody thought he could ever be a passer in this league. And I think it really hurt the Tiger Cats offense when Jalen Saunders left in the first half, and they were relying on Chris Williams a little bit there. I know Tolliver had three catches. Um, Tasker only had the one catch. And Banks, again, has a big week, 106 yards and a touchdown. And his touchdown catch was amazing as well. But mm-hmm. without Saunders there, I think it really affected the rest of the offense for the rest of the game. I, I honestly believe that Saunders might be their most pure receiver. Mm-hmm. He, well, he's their leading receiver, man, or was. And, and he does. He does all. He does everything that he does. He does it right. Yeah. He 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 makes plays. He finishes plays. He doesn't give up on a lot. Like everything he does, he shows up, does his job. Um, that being said, when he went down, that meant more snaps for Tolliver, which meant I had a chance to really put up some points, and then Tolliver really disappointed. <laughs> so. Now I know how my parents feel. <laughs> well, he's not healthy. Um, I think the knee's nope. bugging him. I don't know if it's bugging him to the point it's bugging Eric Rogers, but it is really bugging him, I think. I, I think so. And if, if it's going to take a game or, or a week or two where he doesn't ha- or he, where he doesn't play and needs to take that rest, they're not going to be hurt that much if Saunders is okay, you know, with Banks and Tasker. And having Saunders out there and Chris Williams, like at some point Williams will return to f- to what he was, or you know at least fit into the scheme. Uh, and I don't think it'll be that big of a loss if he needs to take a couple games off. Um, you know, and especially in the East, you're really only fighting for two spots. You don't really have to worry 
because a West team is going to come in and take that crossover. You got to finish. You got to finish top two and in, in the East. That that that's a distinct possibility before you know before we get half before we get to Halloween. Uh, well, I guess Halloween would be playoffs, but I mean before you get to the middle of October, Canadian Thanksgiving. You know they could have a they could have a playoff spot wrapped up, and that's going to give guys a lot of time to rest. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, if they if Tolliver needs to take time now, they're I don't think they'll have a problem, especially with the schedule being so backweighted with division games. They're going to have a little bit better matchup scenarios coming up here. It was uh, the dagger in the last um, few minutes here because the Tiger Cats offense opened the game with a touchdown drive and then didn't get anything done for the rest of the half. But in the uh, fourth quarter, the Bombers had about a four-minute drive that only ended Mm -hmm. in a field goal. And then after that, the Tiger Cats get the ball. They actually took two penalties. I think they took two procedure penalties because that Bomber crowd was so loud, and that is what ended the Tiger Cats. They had a real shot to get a big win over a Western opponent here. But the Bombers can control that clock with Andrew Harris. He he does it. He does so many things well, Andrew Harris. He's just a workhorse. He had the 16 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown, and he had the big 27-yard reception as well. So he had four for 46, and they killed a ton of that fourth-quarter clock, and that's hard to do in that Canadian Football League. So when they can do that on the home field, that I think that's really what finished the Ticats off. And the... The time of possession numbers were, you know, not skewed that much, but the time of possession, when it mattered, it seemed yeah. that Winnipeg was able to keep drives alive because they have an Andrew Harris, because that O-line is so good. You know, they can make sure they get first downs, take all the play clock they need to, and, you know, in that fourth quarter, they just seemed to do whatever they wanted uh, when it came to time management. And, you know, because this team is – that O-line is just so good, and you have Andrew Harris is probably – if not the best top two in the league um, for running backs. And, you know, he did have a fumble, but his ball security is usually top notch. And, you know, protecting the ball, running, keeping that clock running, that's huge. Uh, you know, keeping the defense off the field late is even, it's even bigger when you think about it that way. Fantasy-wise, yet again, you were happy if you took Nick Dembski. I was happy to have him on my team, a shade under $5,000, two catches for 45 yards. The former Manitoba Bison with the big touchdown, too, goes over to the University of Manitoba logo. He's studying again. Flipping the pages, reading the book. That was awesome. And he had 134 return yards as well. Dembski had some flashes in Saskatchewan. But a lot of that time, there was uh, some injury troubles. And I'll never forget that one punt return he had against Winnipeg on Labor Day. But, man, the Bombers have sure found out how to use Nick Dembski. And it's fun to watch. Mm And he's almost like what you would consider in an NFL fantasy league as a flex position. It seems. Oh yeah. Um, like a he, real he doesn't life seem flex. to have a sep. Right, like running back, and and he receives the ball, and he, he can run, he can do everything. He returns punts, kicks. He he's an everyman. He's a, he's a yeoman. He does yeoman's work. Um, you know, and it, he's such a good football player, such a good athlete. He's smart. He knows the game. 
Um, they, they gave up on him in Saskatchewan, kind of. I, I get it, injury problems. You can only wait for so long. They let him go. He's healthy now. He's figured it out, and Winnipeg is reaping all of the benefits. All right, let's, uh, before we get to the final game of the week, we say thank you to ATB Financial. If you're an entrepreneur, you already do have your business, or you just have a dream of uh, getting one going, or you want to grow it, they have a powerful set of tools for you at ATB. they got locations in Edmonton, Calgary, and Lethbridge. Also, monthly pop-ups across the entire province. So hit atbentrepreneurcenter.com to find the location nearest you. I know as a kid, I uh, always had a dream of starting uh, a shop that was only wrestling videos. But, man... People don't even buy videos anymore, so my business would have fallen flat on their face. I think ATB would have had me prepared and probably told me to think of something better than that. But come on, is that not a story yeah, you want w- to go to? The WWE Network, the WWE Network, kind of stole your idea. Oh, yeah, they, they, they stole my idea, and you didn't even have to leave the house. Yeah, it's basically just delivered right to your to your TV, and you don't even have to leave the couch, <laughs> let alone the house. I know, I know. I laid in bed for about three and a half hours a day and watched golf, and I always thought that the golf channel was ridiculous um, until you know I became twenty nine and hung over all the time. I was like, oh, <laughs> golf channel is a really good idea. So, nice and quiet. There's not a lot of sudden movements. You know what's going to happen. You can fall asleep and not miss much. It's perfect. So Vince McMahon and Tiger Woods, they obviously went to atbentrepreneurcenter.com, and uh, you can do that as well. So the final game of the week, it is the Ottawa Red Blacks squeaking by the Montreal Alouettes 24-17. Hey, I asked you if the Owls had a chance, and oh yeah, they did, and it came close. But did they win? Did they win? (laughs) Hey, I said, did they have a chance? But did they win? No. Well, then I I will stand by it. Okay, yeah. This is one of the games. I'm a stubborn Ukrainian. <laughs> and we've seen a few of these games where one team dominates mm-hmm. just about everything except the scoreboard. Uh, Ottawa, <laughs> they had 36 minutes time of possession and only won by a touchdown that came in with, you know, 15 seconds left. And the big story here is the turnovers from the Red Blacks. They, there were five of them. And they would drive the ball about 80 yards down the field and then turn it over. I know Trevor Harris had the pick. Mm-hmm. That one was not um, deep down the field, but there were a couple fumbles. Uh, you know, inside Montreal's about 35-yard line. There was a turnover on downs in there as well. This game probably shouldn't have been as close as it was, but Ottawa needs to start finishing some drives. I know they beat Hamilton by kicking seven field goals. In this one, the five turnovers, that's not going to win them the big game. No, ball, ball security is key. Uh, you know, especially in the CFL where off, offense is a premium. Um, you know, like any team at any time seems that they, they are able to go down and, and score a touchdown um, and put points on the board. If you're throwing 487 yards, you should have more than one touchdown. Oh, yeah. 44 like, of 54 for 487 yards. Absolutely insane numbers. He was one completion away for the all-time record, of course, behind Hank 
Burris and tied with Anthony Calvillo for second most in the game. So he's with some pretty elite company there, Trevor Harris. But we've seen it multiple times, and we've seen it for about 30 years. That Rich Stubler defense gives up a ton of yards, and they were clearly doing that in this one. But they took advantage and had the turnovers when they did. But that bend-don't-break defense really, I I think, wore the Alouettes out on that game-winning drive to end the game. I I think they were just bagged. Mm -hmm. And... Don't forget, this defense didn't have John Bowman. So there's a lot of young guys in yeah. there with with not a lot of experience. I mean, I think their, their most senior defensive lineman, he was a nose tackle, eight games. Oh, like, that's crazy. The, the, the four defensive linemen had a combined 18 games experience. Yeah. If, if you add up John Bowman and Chip Cox alone, <laughs> that's like 420 games. And that's not an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, but for the defense, especially with this Ottawa offense and what we've seen it do, they put up 41 points last week in a losing effort. Yeah. Um, we we know the, that this team can put up points, and for a defense without John Bowman, full of of rookies and young kids on that defense, to only to hold Ottawa to only twenty four points, that is a huge accomplishment, and that is definitely something they can be drawing positives from, even after the loss. AC Leonard sacks Johnny Manziel, does the money signal. I'm a fan of that, and I'm pretty sure Manziel was knocked out at the goal line. Oh, 100 percent. Oh, 100 percent. And I don't know if I don't know if you call the play dirty because it was shoulder to the head. I mean, no. he was it, no. It, it, that was just a collision. Yeah. I don't. I don't think there's anything dirty about it. Um, but you can just see it, the way his hands go. Drops the football, makes no attempt. And when he was laying on the ground, it, it was very quick, and he was he was you know moving around. But yeah, I hundred percent think that he was knocked out. And this game could have been a lot better. For Mr. Manziel, he threw a beautiful, about 50-yard pass to B.J. Cunningham. Dropped right in there. Cunningham had his hands on it. Looked like he was going to make the catch and just couldn't survive contact with the defender and the ground. He had a couple there to B.J. Cunningham. And you know what? I, I think having the veteran receivers in the lineup for Manziel's really helping him out here. Ernest Jackson, I, I know this is crazy to say. The resurgent of, urgent, of Ernest Jackson. Best game of the year. Five catches for 61 yards. And you know what? Adarius Bowman's best game of the year. Four catches for 40 <laughs> yards. But man, did Bowman make some boneheaded plays. He had uh, the, the fumble. He almost had another one, but his helmet was about an inch. He was lucky, yeah. yeah. His helmet was about an inch out of bounds that helped that second one. So uh, Bowman's got to get those under control if he wants to help his team. For sure. Like, mistakes like that you know, are, I know I know it's going to sound, I don't know, a little extreme, but, you know, they, there's no excuse for them, and they're, I wouldn't tolerate them as a coach. Like, yeah. I get it, you're out of bounds, but you don't know that. Bowman didn't know that when he's holding up the ball on the no. sideline. Like, what are you doing? Nobody's touched you. Nothing has happened. Why are you exposing the football? And I get it. You got to win games, but at some point, you got to send a message to your to your veterans. And I know that 
he's not exactly a veteran on the team, but he's a veteran in the league. I don't think Mike Sherman even knew that happened, if I'm being honest. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing it was a it was a good thing it was a rule to turnover because I don't know if he would have challenged. Yeah. <laughs> so a few weeks ago, uh, well, let's just say Brad Sinopoli's been blowing up the entire season. But last week, mm-hmm. Deontay Spencer blows up. This week, Greg Ellingson has his first 100-yard game since week one. He had 11 catches, 110 yards, 22 points. You're happy if you picked him. You wish for the touchdown, but you'll take it. Yeah, that, that's a huge game for Ellingson, and, and he finally breaks that 100-yard barrier this year. Uh, you know, I'm, It just seems with this receiving core, once they get one good game, it, it tends to snowball. And you know, with Sinopoli, Spencer, and Ellingson, if they can all get clicking this team, I, I without a doubt, is going to be back in the Great Cup. And the uh, resurgence, well, not resurgence, but uh, he's he's coming up, and, and now they're going to have four good receivers again. R.J. Harris, mm-hmm. six catches. For 2500 bucks. Yes. So if you have that $2,500 in your lineup, like I did, you are happy. Six catches, 70 yards, mm-hmm. and the touchdown for 19 points. So R.J. Harris... Another good receiver, another good weapon for Trevor Harris. Tyrell Sutton, he had 63 rushing yards, three catches for 25 yards. And Johnny Manziel, really some positives here. Um, I mean, he's going to be, I think, an okay quarterback. I don't know if he ever gets to the Bo Levi or the Mike Riley level of play here just because of the supporting cast around him. But uh, after this game, I think Montreal does have some positives to look forward to. But now they're on the road in Edmonton. Should probably get a pretty angry Eskimos team on nine days rest. Yeah, a little upset. Um, you know, <laughs> we 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 know that their head coach has a has a really calm and cool demeanor. So practice <laughs> should be really light uh, coming into this game. <laughs> But if they can't protect Manziel, it's not going to matter how good he is. If he's getting flushed and is forced to make plays on the run consistently, then I don't know how big of an improvement it's really going to be. We know the offensive line is an issue, um, but he no turnovers, like you said. You know, and he made good. He made better decisions this week than he did last week. I think that's just comfort in the system. Uh, yeah. You know, he's been with the guys a little longer. It's just reps. It'll come. Um, I. I think he'll be he'll get he'll definitely get better as, as time goes on. I, I don't see why he wouldn't. Uh, his attitude seems to be a lot better than it was when he was in the NFL or even college. So I, I think there's a willingness there for him, or a willingness from him, uh, to to want to better himself not only on but off the field as well. Um, it was a really interesting week in fantasy. There were only three games, and it really seemed. Um, <laughs> you were only going to score 22 points. <laughs> mm-hmm. and the top, you know, 10 players had between 21.5 points and 22.7. So Riley, Harris, Mazzoli, Harris, Green, Powell, Walker, Banks, Ellingson, right around the same amount of points. R.J. Harris was good, but the Montreal defense was the Defense to pick this week was 17 points. All those turnovers making a big difference for them. It, that that was, I I wasn't even thinking about it when I was watching the game. Like, oh, there's a sack. There's one point. Yeah, yeah. You know the turnover. There's two. 
And it starts to add up and add up. And when I looked at it this morning, I'm like, holy crap. Against a team like Ottawa, who had one, two, three, four, five guys over 15 points on fantasy-wise, it just shows, like, you know, they, they kind of played that Winnipeg brand of football yeah, yeah. a little bit and, and, you know, lived off the turnover uh, last night. That being said, does it continue? I, I doubt it. Uh, you know, these guys are young. They're going to make mistakes at some point, but that's that's a huge night for the Montreal D. And Mike Riley, 22.2, got outscored by his own wide receiver. Yep. So don't tell me he's worth $14,000 <laughs> when Trevor Harris is at 84.05 and Masoli's at 10,063 and they're 0.1 and 0.2 behind him. He's only really ran away with it for two or th- two or three weeks this year, maybe two weeks where he's been over, you know, 35, 40 points. I, I, I cannot justify putting in a $14,000 player in my lineup. No, it's absolutely uh, crazy. It just screws up your entire team. Now, uh, we have to talk about the massive news that we got, what, Saturday night? It actually happened during the Montreal-Ottawa game mm-hmm. that the Red Blacks won 24-17. I, I do find and it... And that was only because Duran Carter tweeted it. I don't, th- I don't think the Riders would have released news during another yeah. team's game pretty weird that it came out during the game but yeah it probably was because of Duran Carter's tweet um initial thoughts here I, I do feel a lot different than I did not even 24 hours ago when I heard the news but what are you thinking here well last night I was ready to you know burn every piece of green stuff that I own and denounce the team because I'm like, Chris Jones is is running this into the ground. You know, he's going to wrap this truck around a telephone pole. Um, That being said, from what I've read in the last 18 hours, I'm not that surprised. Uh, There's been numerous reports on Twitter and, you know, different news outlets that I've read. There was a rumor going around that he got in a fight with a teammate before a game and you know, we we know just by his interviews and the way he acts on the field when stuff doesn't go his way, he is a bit of a diva. Um, you know, and, may, and Chris Jones, you know, doesn't want that around. However, the way Chris Jones says that we're going a different direction, that direction is, I'm thinking, going to be losing football games now. If he brings in Terrell Owens, I'm I'm done. I know I've said this before, kind of lightheartedly, half joking, but like, bring back somebody else that you cut already if, if, if football is a young man's game. We talked about this last week. Um, I, I don't think this is a is a move to get T.O. I don't think it's anything like that. Uh, I think that they took the opportunity to cut him before they were on the hook for his salary as, as part of it. Um, the, I, I just don't know. Uh, Derek Taylor said it too, that they've got to be in some kind of salary cap trouble as well with with the the guys they've brought in. I think it's huge. But I they tried to trade him, nobody wanted him, which, you know, shocker, you played him on defense the half the year. So why would anybody want to take a flyer on that? And th- this league knows what he is. Um he's also never spent more than two full seasons with a college or a pro team. So there's something to be said for that for a guy who keeps moving around. I I don't know. I I don't like it cuz he's your best offensive player in my eyes. He also 
played more snaps on defense than he did on offense, so he wasn't in every offensive play, which is asinine to me. But that's the genius of Chris Jones. Um, the offense is going to hurt, I think, for sure. We saw it when he was playing defense that the offense wasn't nearly as as productive uh, as they were with him. I I think it's stupid. I, I think they, they could have found a way to work this out. Uh, you know, you're, you're still in the midst of a, of a playoff race. I mean, we're getting close to Labor Day here. Stuff's going to stuff's gonna start, you know, snowballing on you. If you can't keep up with the rest of the division, you know, outside looking in, and it's not going to end well. Um, that being said, it works to my advantage at the same time because if this team is worse with Carter gone, maybe Jones gets fired. I actually believe Jones when he says this has nothing to do with Terrell Owens, so uh, I, I don't think it does. I also don't think that the Riders are in cap trouble, and if they are in cap trouble, it has nothing to do with Deron Carter's salary. I guess he had a $70,000 bonus in the offseason, and uh, he his base is right around seventy five k with about 30 ks that he can earn in bonus. So it's not that crazy of a contract for the riders. There is no point for them to bring Terrell Owens in. And if they do, I think it's completely unrelated because there's no way he's going to get in there and play. He's going to, I don't know, is he going to spend three or four weeks on the practice roster before he gets into the game? I don't think Terrell Owens is um, interested in that at all. Now, I'm having a tough time with this one because... Duran is probably top five favorite players in the league, but, 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 See, but. I can't stand him. How many Ryder fans were mad when he got signed? And l- let's put ourselves in that mindset back then when we thought, and I think probably about 75% of people thought that it wasn't if the Riders and Chris Jones have enough of Deron Carter. It was a matter of when they have enough of Deron Carter. And this is when it finally happened. Let's look at his college career. He played for Ohio State. He played uh, junior college in Kansas, uh, in which his quarterback in 2014 ended up tweeting. The guy's named Caden Cochran. He said, the team that drafts Deron Carter will get the most lazy whiny and non-work ethic player the NFL has ever seen. I played with him. Horrible person and will be a complete cancer to any team on the board. He ended up playing with Alabama after that. After that, Florida Atlantic. This stuff is not an accident. He had Montreal and he was not cut by Montreal because of football stuff. He was cut because he was getting in a fight with his own quarterback with his cousin for bumping over the coach. It is well known over the last, you know, year and a bit that Chris Jones literally had to babysit him. He had to spend more time with Deron Carter than any other player on the team. And you know what? The other players are going to get sick of it. Yeah. I, I don't doubt that Deron Carter has friends on the team. Of course he does. He's going to have friends in the receiving core. He's going to have these guys that he can use to back them up on Twitter and things like that. But, you know, when other players see the crap that he gets away with, 
He this fight in practice is not a new thing. He was a, in a fight in practice last year, and he was how close to getting cut then. He did the pot possession thing in two different airports, which say what you will about pot, but really, man, taking it through the airport, that's... When you know it's illegal. That's just stupid. Yeah. So he does that, and then this alleged fight in practice. On top of that, I think the real problem here, well, and I don't think Chris Jones was lying either when he said it wasn't one thing. I think Jones just got tired of... uh just got really tired of babysitting him. And th- there's been so many stories over the past little while of him having a poor attitude in practice, having a poor attitude in the meetings. I'm beginning to wonder. And he whined in the media after the Edmonton game that he didn't get enough targets. I'm beginning to wonder if they kept him on defense because he did not jive with the offensive coaches. And then they move him to offense. The the word is, uh, there are, everything is just rumors. So, I mean, take it, uh, I assume you put it through a Brita filter and about 65% of it is real, uh, that he gets in Stephen McAdoo's face. He's whining for more targets, which I can't doubt that. When he's not getting the ball, he's moping around the field, he's jogging through his routes, and this is not a new thing with Carter. If you look at the games last year, if the defense is able to shut him down and they're not, they're not throwing him the ball, he's not working. He's not working at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's up to Naaman Roosevelt. Carter can just be the whiner. He can take the dumb penalties on defense. He can take the unnecessary. There are so many layers to this, and I know it looks absolutely insane when you release oh, yeah. your, your star receiver, but I think it just becomes too much in the locker room. How many how many members of the Rough Riders did you see go on Twitter and say they were absolutely shocked over this move? Uh, none. <laughs> I I think that maybe Chris Jones gave him an ultimatum. You either get along with your offensive coaches, you stop whining in the meetings, you stop whining in practice, you have a hundred percent on every play, or you're done. You get off the pot. And they got rid of him. And he, yep. and here's the thing in the CFL. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, uh, you want Deron Carter? <laughs> the team's going to say, uh, I'll just wait till you cut him and maybe I can get him for nothing. So yeah. I, I, and I, 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 I don't know why. If, if he's being shopped, you know they don't want him. So why wouldn't you just wait or give up a eighth round pick? Chris Jones thinks he's got an asset that everybody wants when he doesn't. I kind of wonder if, because the other teams know knows what he is. I, I kind of wonder if they demanded a higher pick from Saskatchewan to go with him in exchange for a oh, lower maybe. pick, and then they said, "Well, uh, I don't want to lose any more possible Canadian depth by trading Carter mm-hmm. and a pick." To you, um, there have been four teams apparently already interested. 
and I don't think there's a surprise with any of them. Uh, the BC Lions, the Toronto Argonauts, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and the Montreal Alouettes. The Ticats need some size in their receiving core. The Owls and the Argos need some talent in there. The Lions, <laughs> oh, that would be fun. Manny Arsenal, Brian Burnham, and Deron Carter. And you know what? Deron Carter would whine more in BC than he is now. It's quite possible. I, I don't know how an Odell Willis and a oh. uh, Deron Carter on the same team would work, but Buono would not put up with his crap at all. Um, so I am kind of surprised that the Toronto name comes up because Jim Pops, the one that cut him in Montreal, he knows what he's all about. Um, so you know what? We go back to when Carter signed and everybody said, well, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Chris Jones and the Riders have enough of his crap and just send him packing. And I think last year we were all kind of fooled that maybe... And, well, and, and to a point, but then we also saw it start to unravel. That's true. And because I did say it on this podcast that Odell Willis was jumping all over the place until Chris Jones was able to kind of handle him in Edmonton and Odell... Mm -hmm blossomed into uh, I think a great leader in this league and then look what happened in Edmonton right after Jones left <laughs> so Jones somehow is has been able to rein in these guys with big possibilities it is or big personalities it is incredible to me that he is still only 27 years old that is, yeah, it's crazy how young he is. Are you, um, you know, and he he would be an he's he's a good addition to any receiving core. He is as long as he's willing to work. Well, maybe he's only a good addition temporarily. I mean, <laughs> I that very well could be. Like, don't when he was signed, I was happy because you're Me getting too. a top tier talent, you're getting a top tier talent, a guy who makes plays, a guy who scores touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's going to help Naaman Roosevelt. All that stuff. The longer he was in Saskatchewan, the more I was like, this was a terrible idea. I love him as a football player. I, th I think he's great. I cannot stand. I almost hate his interviews. I hate the way he carries himself on the sidelines, in the media. Uh, I cannot stand the guy. I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. But he just comes off as an entitled, selfish prick and to me. He, he's great with the fans. He's great with the kids. Um, I know that. And I, I think he's an asset to any team's, I guess, marketing. But you're right. He, he's good when he needs to be. Yeah. On, on the sideline, though, he's a baby. He was a baby mm -hmm. uh, in the Edmonton game. And... Uh, I, again, I, I think maybe he was kept on defense for a reason because Chris Jones could deal with him directly instead of throwing him on offense where he starts whining about the game plan, whining about the targets, and getting in McAdoo's face and just being a cancer to that offense. So I really wonder if he was kept on defense not because of defensive back depth, but because Jones could deal with him directly and maybe hide those issues in the locker room a little bit 
quicker, you know, directly to the source by uh, Jones dealing with that defense. Because nothing else really makes sense. And I, I believe what Jones says, that there's not one reason here that he was released or there was no straw that broke the camel's back or anything like that. I really just think he got tired of it. And I know there are a lot of Chris Jones haters. There are a lot of people that want him fired. And this might be one of, and I know the the Durant, the Chick, the Dressler, now the Bag, the Owens, the Grant cuts have made people really mad. But this could be a rallying point for this team. When you get that distraction out of the locker room, you got you got Messam out of there now. You got some real leaders there with Ed Gainey, and you have uh, Charleston Hughes, Labatt speaking up on offense, and you get rid of the baby. It might be uh, something that this team can rally against, rally for. And they have the Calgary Stampeders next week. I'm not going to say it's going <laughs> to help them out right away and right instantly here. But as the season goes on, this might be one of Jones's defining moments as GM in Saskatchewan. I think it goes by. Well, it can only go one of two ways. Well, I guess three. They could play 500 football the rest of the way, see what happens, maybe get the crossover. This could, like you said, they could rally around this and they could reel off six, seven wins in the next eight, nine games, and you know, get stay in the West for the playoffs. Or they could take a total nosedive and that finish too. fifth. And because the defense goes stagnant, or the offense goes stagnant. Sorry. Um, however, I wonder if Carter, even on, on defense, is still a distraction to that receiving core because he's you know still around, still whining and bitching to McAdoo that and and to Jones that he wants back on offense and all that stuff. I know he said the right things in the media about how you know he's he's doing whatever he can to help the team. He's fine with playing defense. We all know he doesn't want to play defense. He's just doing it because that's what he was told to do. Um, so. I wonder if that was somewhat of a distraction. So maybe having him gone, maybe the offense kind of turns around now that you don't have to worry about keeping Duran happy because, you know, guys like Caleb Hawley and, and Naaman Roosevelt and guys like that, they seem like yeah. they're willing to sacrifice their own uh, statistical success. The team the is above the team. them, yeah. Yes, and it's the same in Ottawa. They talked about that on Saturday night too, uh, you know, how, how they're willing to run – run routes, run clearing routes to, to get other guys open because they know what helps a team. And, you know, a winning team is a lot more fun to be on than a team that, you know, middles around the 500 mark and misses the playoffs. So, like you said, they could rally around this and it, they could they could shoot up the standings or they could take a complete nosedive because, you know, they're losing their best offensive talent. Well, there's a difference between a name in Roosevelt and S.J. Green and mm-hmm. a Brandon Banks and a Deron Carter. Uh, Green, uh, Ellingson. Roosevelt. Those guys are going to run their routes. They're great team guys. Uh, look at the success that uh, Sinopoli's having this season. Does that happen if Ellingson is not a threat in that offense? I, I really don't think so. It's all a part of the big machine on an offense. Mm-hmm. But if a guy's not getting a ball like Deron Carter, and I'm going to put Brandon Banks in that category. If he's not getting the ball... To a point. He to a points point. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it all. I think it all too depends on game situation. If a team's up, I don't think you know you're going to see it as much. Or 
if a team is in first place or second place, granted Hamilton's in second place, but um, you know, if the riders are five and one, do we see Deron Carter starting all this crap? Probably not. But when the losses mount, it's when he whines. And it happened in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And I, I think winning cures everything. Yeah. And the team wasn't winning consistently. Deron got pissed that he wasn't being used to or used properly. And, you know, it, it blows up. And it is what it is. It's fine. It just, I, I, I'm kind of coming from both ways because I, I don't like the fact that they cut him because, you know, losing that offensive threat is huge. The offense wasn't the greatest without a minute. That being said, if he is a complete idiot in that room yeah. and, and, and hampering the offense to a point where he has to be put on defense because he's too much of a distraction because he's, he's whining and complaining about not getting the looks, then yeah, you cut him. So, and we'll never know the, the full extent of it because, you know, Jones is going to stay pretty tight-lipped. Deron Carter doesn't want to throw anybody on the bus. He still wants If he still wants to play football, you can't do that. Uh, so I don't think we'll ever get the true 100% real-life story of it. But, I mean, we can only make assumptions. And, you know, from what we've seen, his actions, his, his attitude, his demeanor is just crap Oh, when, when things don't go his way. So, I mean, to cut him, it, I don't think it's that big of a loss in the locker room. On the field could be a different story, but in that locker room, I think it makes the locker room better. Yeah, it it, it might just bring that team together uh, even more, and I, I think people maybe respect Jones for that. If you're going to come in here and you're going to whine, of course, we're not in the meetings. We don't know what mm-hmm. happened. This could be a thing where he was getting in Caleros' face after the Edmonton game for not throwing him the ball. And that's another thing. If this Ryder team is in such salary cap trouble, do they pull Nick Marshall and Zach Caleros off the six-game injured list early and pay Caleros that 50K uh, to go against the book? That's also fair. That is also fair. So if there's such salary cap troubles, they're leaving Caleros on that six games, whether he's ready to go or not. Yeah, or or those moves put them into salary cap trouble. I mean, we we don't know for sure if they are. We don't know if they for sure are in cap trouble. I mean, we can only assume because we don't know what everybody's making. I, I was Derek Taylor had mentioned it on on Twitter. Thought I'd bring it up, um, but you made some really good points. It, 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 well, <laughs> if I, if I'm being honest, and that pains me to say, that pains me. <laughs> it does kind of suck that we're only guessing when it comes to salary mm-hmm. cap. Um, I, yeah. I, I get uh, not telling individual salaries because a lot of these guys, they, they're they making a working man's salary, man. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I don't want anybody to know what I make. So, <laughs> I, I got no problem with that. But to know um, the amount that they're paying the entire team, I think would go a long way for fan discussion. Mm-hmm. I think that would be massive. Yeah. I think that would... Because then you can see, when, but then at the same time, if a guy gets cut, yeah, you're going to be able to figure out what he was making if you're willing That's to do true. the math. That's and trust true. me, I'm not. <laughs> and you know what? We're not going to get the full story here. I think credit goes nope. to Deron Carter, and I know Deron was really uh, uh, honest in his answers with Justin Dunk in that article that he put together. Uh, it did open some eyes. He he talked about the teams that he's going to be meeting with. I thought that was really cool. And what did we expect from the Chris Jones presser? This is what we saw 
and what we have seen since he's gotten to Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. The day after the cuts, they were grilling him about uh, the guys that have been cut. And what did Chris Jones say? I'm here to talk about the guys on the team. And I, I think pretty much the only reason that that press conference happened is because he's in Saskatchewan. If he's in another team that maybe doesn't care about their football team as much, there's no press conference. <laughs> well, okay, so I, I, that's this too, to me, is somewhat of a double-edged sword. Uh, he who shall not be named brought up the fact that why would you call a press conference on a Sunday when the media, when a lot of the media that cover your team I get are that. off? Why would you call it to say nothing? At the same time, that media is crying and screaming for answers, knowing full well what this press conference is going to be, yeah. and then they bitch about it. I, I just think he was told that they had to have a press conference. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and I, you know what? If I'm, I don't want to speak for him, but if I'm Jamie Nye or Ariel or people like that in Regina, I don't even go to that press conference. Nah, nah. Because what are you what What are you getting? Nothing you can't see on CFL.ca after the fact. Yeah, <laughs> I know they probably some people probably cut Thanks their holidays short to go to Buy the more great stadium shows like for the this damn thing. CF Pod but, Network on Twitter, man. Uh, the <laughs> what is really incredible. You do realize that this has been now like 25 minutes on Deron Carter. 25 minutes on Deron Carter. Well, uh, I'd rather He's talk the about... the new Johnny Manziel. Hey, I'd rather talk about... Hey, yeah, that's true. How hypocritical are we? We didn't want to talk about a guy that's not in the league. <laughs> <laughs> so, one last thing regarding that whole fiasco okay. about Manziel. Or not, I guess not fiasco, but you know how everybody... We, it was hyped and talked about and everything. Lance Phillips... Uh, Put on Twitter last night, he, he works at uh, the new cap station in Lloyd. Or not anymore, sorry, he's with the Lakeland Wrestlers Athletic Program now nice. as their digital media creator and director. He puts out, if you're not rooting for Manziel to succeed, you are not a true CFL fan. What? And among among other things. Well, just, you know, why, why, would, you, why would you be cheering for somebody to fail? Um, you know, you, you should be, you know, wanting him to succeed, you know, whatever. I tweeted back. I... I don't like him for two reasons, mainly because he went to A&M. And as a Gators fan, I just can't can't cheer for him. Two, he's a terrible human being. I The drugs, the drugs, whatever, he was young and stupid. I get it. Everybody has their vices. The attitude he had when he got to the Browns, you know, not going to meetings, showing up late for all that crap, I get it. He was young, stupid, whatever. Domestic abuse, I have zero time for. Zero. It's inexcusable. No place for it. And actually, Lance texted me later that night, and he's like, I forgot about that. You raised a really good point. And he actually deleted the tweet. And I told him, you don't have to delete that tweet on my account. Like, I was just raising points that you might have forgot or you didn't mention. And like, I'm willing to have a discussion about this. He's like, no, I don't think there is no discussion because of the domestic abuse. So, like, if if the league, like, I get that they, they vetted him and they did all this crap, and here we are talking about him again, but they, they vetted him and you know he's he's supposedly changed and everything, but you know I, for me, domestic violence is one strike and you're out. Oh yeah. For me, I, the league obviously has different views, and granted, he didn't do it while he was a member of the CFL, but I don't think that should matter. They stopped Hardy from coming up here because of what he did while he was in the NFL. So why wouldn't Johnny Manziel get that same treatment? Same with Art Bryles. 
So I think league is somewhat talking out of both sides of their mouth on that issue and saying he's a new he's a new man blah 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 but I I refuse to to cheer or like I didn't think I hated him that much until I was watching him in a football game where the Alice had the lead and I was legitimately hoping for him to fail. And it made me feel kind of bad but then I thought about it and I'm like no, I actually feel pretty good about this. And if that makes me a terrible if that makes me a terrible CFL fan or a terrible person, I can live with that. I will be able to sleep at night. I don't think it does. I, I would like him to be humbled, and I think the Tiger Cats did humble him <laughs> a few weeks ago because uh, of the people that think old Johnny football, and no matter what Manziel says, I think he thought he was going to come up here and dominate. Yeah, there's a lot more than it goes to just scrambling in the Canadian Football League. There's a lot more that goes into this league. It's a legitimate league. And if Mansell struggles, that is exactly why. Uh, this is not easy to come in here and just walk in here and uh, dominate the CFL. But, yeah, we have gone really long. I, I think we've yeah, we have. said everything we've <laughs> needed to say on Deron Carter, probably about half an hour on him. And you know what? Maybe by the next time we record, we know where he's going to be suiting up for his next game. And you know what? If he goes... And signs in Montreal, we could see the Alouettes sweeping the Riders in the regular season series. <laughs> I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. They, they beat them in Regina? You think in Montreal where the Riders have struggled for so many years? <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm not saying I disagree with you. Oh. I'm just pissed off that you said it. <laughs> like, why, why even bring it up yet? Let's get, hey, let's get through the Calgary only like six game weeks, first. man. <laughs> Yeah, let's get through. Let's get through those six games. <laughs> Jesus, we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Oh man, NFL uh, preseason is underway. There is another football podcast in the network, the Tight Ends Podcast. I know she's hilarious. She's got uh, fantasy football leagues going on. So uh, check out the Tight Ends podcast if you want some of that uh, American coverage. She loves her football. So uh, make sure you check out the Tight Ends podcast. Every podcast in the Alberta Podcast Network is at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Now, Brazilian Thai, it is Monday. You can get your grocery shopping done. Oh, my God. <laughs> So I go into town because I forgot to pick up detergent and bounce sheets yesterday. It's been plus 30. My clothes are a little damp. And I'm going to do laundry today. Go into town. It's 1140 on a Sunday. Co-op. Closed. Oh, no. Uh, the car. Home hardware. I, I get it. It's home hardware. Sundays are always closed. But and then I look it up online. It's provincial law. There's only like a handful of types of businesses that can be open on Sundays unless that RM passes a bylaw. So oh. obviously where I am, they haven't passed a bylaw. So I feel <laughs> like I'm I, I'm in that town from Footloose. <laughs> so I guess I got to pick up laundry and children after work tomorrow. All right, buddy. That's, it's going to be a hot one. That's good, man. Do, do you think Duran will be signed by the time we talk next? Yep. All right. All right. I guess we're going to Mon dedicate. Montreal. 
Yeah. Montreal, bank it. Uh, I think uh, we'll have to dedicate half of our show to Deron Carter uh, again on Thursday. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Tweet us if you think we're absolute idiots when it comes to Jones and Carter and all that fun stuff. We will talk to you Thursday morning. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.